This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insights, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It's time for another edition of Silver and Black today, covering the Las Vegas Raiders, an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure you subscribe. If you don't already subscribe to the show, just check us out wherever you get your audio. Uh, Look for Silver and Black today. Turn on that auto download. That'll help us significantly. We certainly appreciate it. Lots to get to since the last time we talked. Uh, Obviously, the Raiders still... Uh, in the process of looking for their head coach, looking for their general manager, although the general manager hire is imminent. It's coming quickly. We're going to talk about that in the next segment here uh, to discuss what's going on there. But first, Mo, uh, by the way, Scott Branson, along with Mo Moten, my co-host. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, covering the entire league. You can also catch his Raiders column up on sportsnot.com, where you can also catch my work where I am a writer, editor, and host. So uh, make sure you check out sportsnot.com as well as Bleacher Report. Okay, Mo, since the last time we talked, uh, the the story broke around Max Crosby, and Max Crosby on his podcast talked about Antonio Pierce and that he felt Antonio Pierce needed to be the coach and that if Antonio Pierce didn't become the coach, that his quote was, anything is on the table. He didn't say he would demand a trade. He didn't say he'd walk out. He didn't say any of that. But that's what he <laughs> said. He intimated that anything is on the table, so you have to figure that, boy, that's all of that. That's all of that. Now, he gets, again, he didn't say that, uh, but it led to an uproar. Uh, again, there has to be some kind of battle going on in Raider Nation, right? There can't be, <laughs> there can't be uh, peace and tranquility. There has to be something going on. And Max Crosby, a lot of folks who who really, 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 and I say this because there's so much emotion behind it, really want Antonio Pierce as the coach, feel he deserves it, feels he's the guy to do it. Those folks love what Max Crosby said. And then there's the other half of the folks who are like, Max, you're a player. What are you doing? Why are you saying it? Even folks like some content creators, I got to give a shout out to Graphic Raider who went on uh, one of the shows he was on and said, hey, listen, you know, why Why you do that? It's Mark Davis's team to run. Why are you bringing more dysfunction? So it's interesting. It's another sort of schism between uh, some in Raider Nation. But first, I want to get your comments because you had a really good, of course, as usual, level-headed take on Max Crosby speaking out and what it means and what it doesn't mean. Explain to the folks kind of your thought process around that. So when I first woke up, what was it? Was it was it <laughs> so was it Saturday, Friday morning? I wake, I wake up 
Friday or Saturday, the days seem to meld together nowadays because I'm up all day. Yes. But anyway, playoffs. One of the one of those days, uh, I woke I wake up and then I see Tom Pelissero's post about um actually it started with Ian Rappaport saying that Max Crosby was drawing a line in the sand. That was the first comment that came out. And then people were saying, Well, what does that mean? If he he's drawing a line in the sand, does that mean he's gonna demand a trade if AP doesn't get hired? Then Tom Pelissero comes out the following day and says Max Crosby is likely to to uh, explore a trade or a trade or likely request a trade if Antonio Pierce isn't hired. My first thought is one: Max Crosby is campaigning for the guy that he wants to head coach the Raiders football team. My second thought is you have to. I know this is very ticky tack and very technical, but there's a difference between demanding a trade and likely to request a trade. <laughs> so the most recent example is Jonathan Taylor. Again, this is a different situation with Jonathan Taylor. He, he wanted a new deal. There were some other things going on with Jim Ursay that probably rubbed him the wrong way when Jim Ursay talked about the running back market. But Jonathan Taylor requested a trade as well mm-hmm. this past offseason. And Scott, where does Jonathan Taylor, where did he play this season? Mm. Which team did he play? Indianapolis, with? maybe? I think he, I think he still played for the Colts this season, if I'm not mistaken. So my point here is players often request trades because they're unhappy. Jalen Johnson did the same thing with the Bears. Again, that was a contract situation. But players have requested trades before. Devin White, I believe, did the same thing in Tampa Bay. Again, contract situation, different than what Max Crosby is pushing for. But let, let's be real here. Max Crosby isn't paid like some of the highest paid uh Edge rushes and leaks, I'm sure a contract extension might be coming for him too. But my point here is a player can request trade, but it doesn't always lead to a, a an actual trade. Usually what happens is a player is unhappy. He requests a trade. Then he has a talk with his head coach and or general manager. And sometimes things get smoothed out. So sometimes it doesn't work out and the player gets moved. But in the last few examples that I gave, Jalen Johnson, Devin White, Jonathan Taylor, uh, there was a talk with the team, and the player ends up staying with that team and playing with that team in the ensuing season. So mm-hmm. I wasn't getting up in arms about this quote-unquote trade trade request, and people called it an ultimatum. And I said, let's pump the brakes on that because all it would take, let's say if the Raiders were to hire Jim Harbaugh, right? All it would take is for Mark Davis and Jim Harbaugh to sit Max Crosby down and say, look, I know we didn't get the guy that you wanted, but this is our plan. By the way, Jim Harbaugh has won 70% of his games or more in college and the pros. You know, are you down with this? We This, this is our plan. Are you in? And, and all I'm saying is that it would take someone to convince Max Crosby to buy in. I think that's what Max Crosby was saying. I don't want to speak for Max Crosby because he's a grown man. He can speak for right. himself. But to me, the way I read it is if they don't hire AP, they're going to have to convince me that this is the way to go. Yeah. And and listen, I, I again – there, there are people that are really angry at Max Crosby for speaking out like that because they feel, and I understand the perception. Again, I don't, to your point, I don't think necessarily this is Max Crosby's intent. Okay. But in the world of hyperactive social media, emotional fandom, what we get to is a lot of people that I heard from and you heard from and you see out there, there was infighting. It's like, shut up, Max, go play. You know, go play and and don't worry about it's not your job to tell the owner who to hire. Okay. So let's take that premise because I understand that point of view, especially guys my age, right? Being in your 50 years old, it's like, you know, when we grew up, you didn't hear players. Now every once in a while you had a player who was so good he he would be flamboyant and tell the team to do this and tell the team to do that. But overall, especially growing up, getting into the workforce, you don't go into your boss's office and say, dude, do this or I'm leaving. Right. You don't do that. So knowing that, but 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 me seeing the side of it is this is a different generation. This is a different time. Okay. You still won't like it. For those people who don't like what Max Crosby did, you're not going to ever like it. Okay. And I'm not here to make you like it. But what I'm here to tell you is that this is a different generation. The way Max Crosby spoke out, I again, I don't believe his intent was to threaten. His intent was just to share what he feels. Listen, I have people who share the most, I see across social media, share the most intimate details of their lives openly, okay? it's That's foreign to me. I share some things, of course, even though I have a, a, a business like this, I have a show, I have, I'm in the media. 
even though I do that, I do share some personal things. Some people don't share at all, which is fine too. But Mo, I think that the point here is this generation is different. So Max Crosby speaking out, you have to read between the lines there and understand that that, and again, I'm not, I can't speak for him either, just like you said, but that wasn't his intent. But I do understand the people is because earlier in the season, when there was stuff going on in the Raider locker room, Max Crosby said publicly, Hey man, when there's stuff going on here, we need to handle it in the house. I'm not going to talk about it publicly. So a lot mm -hmm. of people think that he's being a little hypocritical there. Now, the difference is at that time he wasn't he wasn't campaigning and advocating for someone to be hired. Understand, and this is what this is what I, I did a, I did a quick TikTok video for Silver and Black today. And I said this, understand this time of the year, there's things going on behind the scenes. If you don't think that Antonio Pierce's agent is leaking things to the media, you're naive. Because the, they are. If you don't think players are leaking things to the media because they want their guy hired, you're naive. They are all campaigning and trying to get their guy hired. So, so when you see things pop out, that's coming from sources. And mm -hmm. it's, it's what they call, we'll talk about it a little later in the show too, it's what they call lying season in the NFL. Guys positioning themselves for free agency, guys positioning themselves for coaching jobs. There are coaches trying to get the Raiders job who are trying to undermine Antonio Pierce. There's Antonio Pierce, who is a very political animal. No matter what you think of Antonio Pierce, all you got to do is study his career, his time at ASU, all that stuff. You'll see how he politically maneuvers. He's a smart dude, okay? So all this stuff is going behind the scenes. So you have to understand that. And so that's the thing, Mo. People see this stuff on social media, they see headlines, and they take it at face value, but it's not at face value. So Tom Pelissero is a very respected reporter. Ian Rapport, also a respected reporter. I'm not saying they don't get things wrong, but I'm sure that that didn't just come out of thin air. Of course not. About Max Crosby drawing a line in the sand and, and him likely to request a trade. By the way, Max Crosby rolled out his podcast episode right after that rumor came after. out. So, so yeah. I don't think that's all a coincidence. I, I as you said, I, I think this was Max Crosby's way of trying to craft or use the media. As I said on Sunday, he used the media to campaign and and, and add some pressure. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say try to force Mark Davis in decision, but to add a little public pressure. Because let's be honest, when you have a little bit of media public pressure. It wears on people a bit. So it I does. think Max Crosby was using that to to campaign for his guy. Not only that, and 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 with all due respect to our friend who we who we respect here immensely, Vic Tafer at the Athletic, um, Vic Tafer the day before the podcast dropped had the exact quote that Max Crosby gave in the podcast. Do you do you think he just guessed that? No, it was given to him, <laughs> and God bless him. I mean, he's he he obviously has a good contact with inside the 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 Max Crosby camp. All right. So so they were, and believe me. Having done PR in my career as well, what you do is you call a reporter and you simply say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this and, and you can use this part of it. But here's here's the deal. Here's what Max is going to say tomorrow. Um, here's what you can use. And that's what happens. And that's what you saw from Pelsaros, we saw from Vic, you saw from all these different people. And that's because they have great relationships through years of hard work with those people. But that piece of it, Mo, there's that going on. And then, you know, there is Mark Davis. Mark Davis is there. How much is Mark Davis listening to this? Some people will tell you Mark Davis is very, he, he caves too much to players. He caves too much to fans. I don't know if he does. He is taking his time. It's driving fans crazy, which is really interesting to me because last time he rushed into it and it turned out as a disaster. And now mm -hmm. he's actually taking his time and people are mad. So, Scott. The difference here is he rushed into a decision that or a candidate that fans didn't like for the most part. When Josh McDaniels was hired, a lot right of people did, didn't like Josh McDaniels. Correct. Now they want him to rush into it because they want a they want to get their the guy. job. That is right. the difference here. But right. really, really quick, Scott, I, I'll say this: there are two schools of thought here. There, with Max Crosby, just to put a bow on that. Like you said, there's a part of Raider Nation that says Max Crosby is just a player. Shut up, play football. Yeah, you don't get to express your opinion, and there are some people that says, "Good, Max Crosby stood up because guess what? Mark Davis hasn't been making good decisions, so he, you know, <laughs> player maybe the players are ha are onto something better than Mark Mark Davis because of what the decisions that he made." What I'll say is, I I'm not in the Mark the Max Crosby 
for or against camp. I, I'm not. I don't play those his nah. side or their side games. Nope. What I, what I'll say is Max Crosby has the liberty to voice his opinion however he wants to. Mark Davis is the owner of the team. He whether Mark, Max Crosby goes to the media or not says this or that mark davis has to make the best decision for the raiders whether that aligns with max crosby's thoughts and ideas or not mark davis has the final say so max can say what he wants but mark is the owner of the team he has to make the ultimate decision it's up to him what that decision is right and and that's what uh uh, um dude graphic raider said you know and again I, i i know him obviously i don't know him we've never met or anything like that but but there's there's a lot of fan content creators that that i'm aware of obviously through murph and the guys and all that kind of stuff they're a very close group and and that's what he said it's his job to run the organization and 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 I yeah. think you also saw that from some folks out there um, that were talking about it. When you saw TJ Hujmanzada talked about, hey, if you can go get Harbaugh, you go get him. And he played for Pierce, loves Pierce, or knows Pierce, all that stuff, right? But he's he's been in the same position. It was nice because you and I have been saying this all along, right? Which is, right. if you can get Harbaugh, exactly. you get him. If you don't, then cool, hire Antonio Pierce. No issue with that whatsoever. So I, I think that, I think that people see that, but again, people want to get drawn into, it's just like the politics, man. It's like, you got to be right or wrong. You got to be on either side of it. You know, I had people on X.com coming at you and I in the show because we said, oh, you know, there's, you know, Jim Harbaugh and this and that. And, oh, see, you were wrong. Max Crosby, you said players wouldn't revolt against the team. It's like, Max Crosby's not revolting. He's not walking out of the locker room. We weren't wrong. So I told the guy, I said, hey, man, listen. Awesome. Tell me where to send you the trophy. Okay. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Max Crosby, again, this generation is different. I shared, I got to get on a little aside here that's not football related, but it, I'm bringing it back to Max Crosby and generational differences. Because again, Mo, I'm older than you. I'm older than a lot of the folks that listen to us. At least the data tells me that. Um, but I will tell you, I was watching, I have a good friend in business from, from my marketing PR days who shares, has been sharing these videos of younger people, Max Crosby's age, who worked for companies who are getting laid off, right? And, and it's horrific how they're getting laid off. They're getting laid off on 1,000 person Zoom calls or via email where there's, they tell you the day before, hey, listen, we're having a layoff tomorrow. And so the emails will go out tomorrow at 10 a.m. Uh, if you're laid off, you'll find out then. Like, just completely detached from any kind of human empathy whatsoever, right? So this is, and, and these people, these people are sharing these calls and these emails and these videos of themselves being let go because it's so ridiculously, terribly done. And, and so this generation is different, Mo. They're, they're sharing these moments and they, they, they want the transparency and that's what Max Crosby's doing. So I'm, I don't, I don't get mad at them all at all. And I'm not, like you said, I'm not taking sides on it. Is it the way I would do things? No, but that's me. I'm not Max Crosby. He's got every right to do what he wants. And you have every right out there as a listener viewer to like it or not like it. It doesn't matter. He's going to be him. And you know, one thing Max Crosby went through hell. He went through getting sober, all that stuff. He's been through a lot in his life. So, you know what? People like that, they're not going to put up with your bullshit. They're just not going to do it. And so he's going to do it that way. Doesn't mean he wins out. Doesn't mean Mark Davis caves to Max Crosby. That's not how it works. So I agree with you there. I think Mark Davis will take it. That's what, that's what, that's what it's for. Max Crosby's being loud about it because he wants to be heard. So Mark Davis can sit him down and say, hey, listen, I heard you. We love AP, but we're going this direction instead. Or I heard you, Max. We did interviews with everybody. It was a tough choice, but we did choose AP. And it wasn't just because of you campaigning. It was because I feel he's the best guy for the job. Scott, the, the, the Athletic has been reporting for the past month that Antonio Pierce is the leading candidate to get the job. I know. When I put out my Bleach Report article about my predictions for head coaching hires, guess who I predicted would be the head coach of the Raiders? Antonio Pierce. Me too. So I don't get, I don't get why people are going to now – because of Max Crosby, not because of that report coming out about the likely trade request. Mm-hmm. Now, if Mark Davis hires Antonio Pierce, people are going to say, "Oh, he caved to Max. Cros- he caved to Max Crosby." And I don't think that's necessarily true because, yeah. again, I felt like Antonio Pierce was a leading candidate to begin with. The Raiders might have chose, yes. chosen Antonio Pierce to begin with. Now, the yeah. second thing I'll say about the people who say, "Oh, see, this is a revolt." 
Max Crosby went on his podcast. He did not demand a trade. A revolt would be players saying, we're going to sit out. We're not going to play for any of the yes. coach other than AP. We're all demanding trade requests and one out. That would be a revolt. That would be players quitting on the team. Correct. Max Crosby simply said all things are on the table. And as I said, I interpret that is, as is, if you don't hire Antonio Pierce, you're going to need to convince me to buy in. That's yes. not a revolt. That's no. a person who wanted a certain coach to co- a certain person to coach their team and didn't get it. And now you need to convince him after botching some of your head coaching hires that you're making the right decision. Some. <laughs> That's what most, it means. Most of. <laughs> this is not a revolt. People yeah. are quick, really quick. People are yeah. quick to take victory laps and they don't understand what they're reading or hearing. No, I, no, they, it, it, again, <laughs> Mo, it, it drives me nuts because this is, this is part of our societal issues. <laughs> people acting emotionally to everything. And it's like, I get it with sports because, like, as a fan, I have no problem with fans being emotional. You should be, right? I mean, I'm wearing my gold knights. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm wearing my gold knights shirt. And when the gold knights who are who are really not doing well right now, injuries, all kinds of jazz, it pisses me off. Like, it, it gets me mad because I'm emotional fan. So I get that. But every little thing, you can't be emotional. You got to think through it and say, hey, you know what? If you are and there's like like Murph, our buddy Murph. Murph believes so much and like is so has such conviction about Antonio Pierce. I love it. It's his guy. He believes that's the right thing for his beloved team. Okay. But Murph doesn't go around getting pissed off. If somebody says, Hey, you know what? I wish they'd interview Harbaugh. Like he doesn't get mad about it because he believes that Antonio Pierce will win out. He thinks he'll be the coach. And by the way, I did. And I predicted in in my sports not 10 bold predictions for the Raiders piece a couple weeks ago. I got crap from my colleagues because I had Antonio Pierce was named as coach. And they're like, that's not bold. Okay. But anyway, so, but my point is you can't, everybody reacts emotionally to everything. And it's like, because I I made a video saying, I think Jim Harbaugh is the best candidate. That does not mean I don't think Antonio (laughs) Pierce can coach the team. I just said, if you can get him, go get him. If you can't, great, whatever. <laughs> oh, he's old. He can't, he's a cheater. He's a uh, no. Just say, hey, dude, Scott. I understand you made good points about Harbaugh. I just think you're wrong. I think Antonio Pierce is the right guy. Okay, cool, good. Scott, we can agree to disagree. Not a big deal. Scott, so that's not, that's not how social media works these days. But even 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 in person, like having talk conversation, it's like settle down. It's okay. Well, if they make the wrong decision, it's like yeah, but you know what? Again. And we'll close with this segment because I know people are going to, because now this is when we get the comments on YouTube, by the way, where it's like, you guys just be uh, talk about football. Anyway. So football. And I know it is football. So, but I, I look at it this way is remember Antonio Pierce, Jim Harbaugh, Leslie Frazier, Ben Johnson, doesn't matter who the candidate is, right? And we don't know. We only know that Leslie Frazier has interviewed for the role so far yesterday. We don't know anybody else yet. All of them are have risk associated with them. If you think Antonio Pierce, without a doubt, is taking the Raiders Super Bowl, you're wrong. You don't know that. If I were to say, if Jim Harbaugh is the coach, they're going to go to the Super Bowl, I would be wrong. I don't know that. He could fail. Antonio Pierce might fail. And I could make the argument, logically, not emotionally, that the chances of Antonio Pierce failing are greater than Jim Harbaugh failing because of based on record. That does not mean I don't like Antonio Pierce or that he can't be successful. But you have to look at it from that frame. Don't get so upset when people have a different point of view. Just say, hey, uh, I disagree. Great. There's no, you're not going to convince somebody who believes that John Gruden should be the coach that Antonio Pierce will be better. You're not going to convince them. So unless you just like to be a dick, why argue? Scott, I I hear you in all of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'll say I'll say this. I I tend to, you know, and people know this. I I have great. Let's. I'm just want to say this. I have great interactions online on social media. Oh, I've had we great all do. Interactions over the past few days. What I will say is, I'm not going to rail on people who are you know over the top. I converse with the people who are who you know, reproach me uh, respectfully. And yeah. I had I've had like I said like I said I've had. Great conversations. I I haven't had a bad interaction because you know what? I don't entertain the bad interactions. There you go. I'll just say wise words. I do. 
sometimes. I Not all the time. I do so sometimes, long. Mo. And you know what, though? Because you, 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 I like to have, I like to understand. So sometimes when people, but you're right now, the way I look at it, especially through this, because after the Derek Carr stuff, I thought, you know, I didn't think it could be that bad again, but it's pretty much that bad. <laughs> and, and what I do now though, and I think you hit on it perfectly. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, in my head, I wasn't even articulating it as well as you did, which is when I, when somebody interacts, I was talking about the Rams game the other night and how that last no call on Puka Nakua was a bad call. It was a bad call. It should have been, it should have been pass interference, right? That happens in every game, by the way. But anyway, should have been pass interference, big game. And some some person who follows uh, me on on X like curses me out. F you. I'm like, all right, block. Like, if I was on the street and I said that, or are you gonna come up and yell in my face, F you? Like, are you <laughs> are you gonna do that? Because yeah. To your point, Mo, that's how I'm taking my interactions online. Because you're right, 95% of all the interactions I have online related to the show, related to the Raiders, is, is phenomenal. All great. Even people who disagree with me. We have a lot of people who disagree. Now, YouTube comments are different. You know, some people are just out there. But I will tell you, look at, look at your interactions online the same way you do as if you were facing that person on the street, walking by them on the street. That's how I do it now, to your point. So if somebody starts yelling... I think that this guy's like off his lithium and he's nuts. So I'm just going to see you later. <laughs> right. It's kind of fun. And that's what I recommend to people out there with discussions like this, because you're fans and you, you do like to go back and forth on stuff, which is cool, but man, just bring a little bit of respect to it. That's all right. Shout out to all the fans out there that listening to us today. I, I like I said, I, I'm not going to just rail on it. I'll just say yeah. I, this is, this is turn. This is, this is going to be an interesting week, simple because it is big hires are big hires are definitely coming. We'll talk about one person who's been involved in the process mm -hmm. in the next segment. I'm guessing, yes. but but it's it's a crucial time. Mm. So fans are fans are 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 going to be emotional about this because this could make or break the race for the, at least the next you know two to four, three to five years. Yes. You know, if they make the wrong decision here, you're wasting more of Max Crosby's prime. You're wasting Devontae Adams years past 30. You're you know you're wasting some some pretty good years from players who are developing and coming along or are primetime players like a Max Crosby. Mm -hmm. If you make the right decision, it could help you in that division. Because remember if Jim Harbaugh goes to the Chargers that division, the AFC West, is going to be a tough division to coach in. So you yeah. would have Harbaugh, you have Peyton, you have Reed. Now, now keep in mind, Antonio Pierce has already beaten uh, Andy Reed and Sean Payhead with the rookie mm -hmm. quarterback. By the way, yeah. I will say, yes, a lot of people, a lot of people, really quick, Scott. A lot of people want to say, well, the Raiders beat these backup quarterbacks, but you could also look at it from the other end. The Raiders had a backup quarterback. The Raiders had a fourth round rookie. They had a yeah, first-year play caller. So, but th this is where this is where, and this will be my last complaint. I promise, and then we'll go on to to talking <laughs> more straight football. But but that's that's the thing with fandom. It's remarkable to me, and I just usually when people do it, I I don't say anything. I don't in, engage with them and try to make them look bad. But the same people say, "Well, he beat he beat the back of court uh, Easton Stick. Big deal." Blah, blah. Those are the same people who are talking about how great the Raiders run was under Rich Bisaccia when they beat backup quarterbacks <laughs> and to get into the playoffs during the COVID stuff. All those guys were out the last. That's how they got on that run to go to into the playoffs under Rich Bisaccia. So be careful. Be careful. You know, that what the old saying about glass houses, right? So so you're 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 saying you're defending the Raiders for making the playoffs beating backup quarterbacks but then you're saying Antonio Pierce isn't that good because he beat backup quarterbacks so that's 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 tends to be the the place we get to sometimes but anyway but we're off of that no more negativity no more tussle and hustle and infighting and all that we're going to talk more about um some of the other things that are going on in Raider Nation including the search for a general manager oh my yes uh this podcast will be released on Tuesday morning we're recording this on Monday so if if you hear this and they've already decided, then guess what? You better hurry over to the channel because we're probably doing a live show right now. But anyway, we're going to talk about the GM search and the coaching search and everything else associated with that when we come back here. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders who don't have a permanent head coach yet, and they don't have a general manager yet. But I'll tell you what, a good decision by you would be to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. Also, we have our YouTube channel. You got to go up there, do us a favor, make sure you give a thumbs up to the video, but also subscribe to the channel. And most importantly, don't forget hit the notifications bell. You can subscribe, but unless you hit that notifications bell, you'll never know when we have new videos. We're doing more shorts. We're doing shows here and going in the off season. Mo and I, because we're only doing probably one, maybe at that most two shows a week during the summer or summer during the off season, summer, I'm already thinking about, it. you know why? Cause it's four degrees outside um, is, is we, we will do some more live stuff. We want to interact with you guys. So we're going to set it up where we can have the chat rolling on the screen and make sure that we talk to you guys in real time uh, on the YouTube channel. So make sure you go up there and do that as well. So we appreciate it. Mo Moten, he is my co-host. He is my friend. He is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also, Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Follow him on x.com at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And I am lv gully scalco branson with you all right mo let's talk about this general manager hire um first i want to start with what you know you, you and i and our buddy evan from just pod baby we're going back and forth with some text messages yesterday about well i should say that was probably early this morning wasn't it anyway we were talking about the committee we finally found out to sean reed did some great work through his sources at the nfl credit to him and got sort of we hadn't heard anything about the hiring process right mo the, the raiders kept it very very close to the vest we didn't know if they had a committee. Everybody's been asking, who's Mark Davis talking to? Who's influencing him? What's going on? So we finally get the list because of Tashawn's work. And there's a surprising name on there. A former Raider, a former, dare I say it, Patriot on that committee. Tell everybody who that was and give us your thoughts. Mr. Richard Seymour <laughs> was in the process was sitting in and the on the committee on the interview panel for the search process to sean says per a source so it was mark davis sandra douglas morgan a uh, board member uh, board member a uh, svp director and advisor ken harrock a lot of people were like oh ken harrock mm, i don't like that <laughs> and uh richard seymour was in on the interview panel process so and richard seymour also had a post on the x where he was basically thanking Mark Davis and the organization for including him. And basically he's, ex it sounds like he was accepting a new role. Now he didn't say right. what that role was. Right. I, I don't think it's the GM role, obviously, but I think he's going to be part of some, in some form or fashion, he's going to have some position within the front office. So Richard Seymour was part of that process. I don't know if you remember this, Scott, but remember after the last game of the season, after the Raiders beat the Broncos, there's a picture of the Raiders smoking cigars. And Richard Seymour is in the middle of that photo. There were a bunch of Raider greats. Marcus Allen yep. was there. Charles Woodson was there. But there was one photo I saw where Richard Seymour is front and center in that photo. And I think he, I think Max Crosby's handing a cigar to someone. And he's basically standing in the middle. He's got like a, a sweater on with a shirt under it. Yeah. So it's clear and apparent that Richard Seymour is going to be part of the Raiders organization in some form or fashion. I just want to remind people. Just, just as a note, he is a former Patriot and also a former teammate of Tom Brady, who, by the way, is in business or doing business with Mark Davis. Yes. So connect the dots if on you want to. On several fronts. On several fronts. So just connect the dots if you want to. But I'm just saying, Richard Seymour, former Patriot, Tom Brady, former Patriot, they played together. They won together. One, one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl together. So there, there is some Patriot raiders synergy so for the for the folks out there who go ah patriots west i can't stand it the patriots raiders <laughs> pipeline is getting stronger by the day some people care some don't care i don't i i don't mind you know whatever side you're on doesn't really matter to me but i think it's yeah. just very interesting when you connect the dots that mark davis 
adding another former Patriot. Now, Mark Richard Seymour also played for the Raiders, but he had, had good years with the Patriots Raiders. He wasn't like a had, uh, right. This wasn't like a castaway. He right. you know had some tip top years with the Raiders, still at the top of his game. But I find it interesting that another former Patriot. With the rate working with the Raiders organization, so the people who want to vomit, I think that's some, that's just something you're gonna have to deal with because <laughs> if Mark Davis is gonna be listening to Tom Brady, I would assume that the Patriots are just and the Raiders are just gonna be intertwined, yeah. uh, and, and what the and what the Raiders are doing going forward. Well, yeah, and people who are like oh, keep Tom Brady away. Sorry, sorry, it's over. I mean, yeah, yes, his a, his ownership <laughs> piece of the Raiders has not been completed. We know that, but he owns the aces with mark davis he's part owner so they're they're already deep deep in business he's not going anywhere so just get used to that but yeah very interesting that was the surprise when the list came out and and Deshaun published the story i was like whoa that was interesting right what's going on there we all said like richard seymour yeah it was like it was like okay but then you connected the dots so yeah when you sent the picture of them from the super bowl together (laughs) i was like Hello. People McFly. lost their people lost their minds when I posted that photo. I know, I know. So <laughs> th- that's what's interesting. But they have concluded their interviews. And again, as I said, if you're listening to this early Tuesday morning, my guess is, and and I do have some folks that I know inside the building there who've told me to expect something this week. And it, those same folks, completely guessing, they're not. They're going based on conversation around the place is that it's it's going to be champ kelly or ed dodds right so one of those guys they've also they also interviewed kelly klein who if hired would be the first woman gm in the history of the nfl uh among others so you look at those and mo i really think based on everything that i've been told and everything we've heard from public reports and and things that you've heard um that it's going to be champ kelly or ed dodds a lot of people want it to be both we talked about um, um, back in November when I wrote a piece, Mark Davis should hire a president of operations, football operations. Tashawn Reed also wrote the same thing in December. So that type of position, maybe he does that. Maybe he doesn't. I think this is the same kind of folks. People want their cake and want to eat it too. They want Antonio Pierce. Some people want Jim Harbaugh and Antonio Pierce. Some people want Ed Dodds and Sam Kelly. It would be great if that worked out that way. I don't think it will. Those guys are going to, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see. What are you got a you got a prediction on this one, Scott? On I think it was Saturday. I said maybe it's wishful thinking, but I would like to see Ed Dawes and Champ Kelly in the general manager and president of operations, football yeah. operations roles. You know, there were some people said that my idea was stupid because there's no way they're going to work <laughs> together. Because of course they did. They both, they, they both want to be GM. So I said, Mo, you're dumb for that idea. But I'll say this. What if Champ Kelly – now, I heard Champ Kelly's interview with the Panthers went well. But let's say Champ Kelly feels he's not going to get a GM job anywhere else. And yeah. the Raiders say, well, look, we'll give you a, we'll give you the president of operation, football operations role. You'll be involved in, in crafting the draft class alone. You'll work with Ed Dodds. You'll be the liaison between Ed Dodds and Antonio Pierce because Champ Kelly has worked with Antonio Pierce already. Ed Dodds coming in. And you can kind of have like a three-man, ro- not rotation, but a three-man brain trust there. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. And, and and I think and, uh, Champ Kelly will continue to get interviews, but let's say he's not confident that he'll get one of those jobs. Right. Now, would he would he rather go to another organization and, and be in the front office, or would you rather take a pay raise and be the football of operations with the Raiders, with the team you're familiar with, with guys you, you, know, you were involved with? drafting already like Tyree Wilson, right. Trey Tucker, Michael Mayer. So I, I think it's possible, again, maybe wishful thinking on my part, but I don't think it's a far-fetched idea. And you, you make a great point there that I didn't consider. And that is that it, it depends, you know, if you're Champ Kelly or you're Ed Dodds and in your blood, you really want to be the GM. You want to do the draft boards. Like you want to be that guy. Then I can see not taking a president of football. But I would imagine that if you're the president of football operations, you and the GM are working very closely together. Exactly. And then not only that, but I like the, as I said in my piece back in November, I like the buffer. If, as long as Mark Davis allows it, of course, I like the buffer of having a guy or a woman who would be between the GM and the owner. And and then you could say to the GM, Hey, listen, I'll handle Mark. I'll handle all that stuff. (laughs) The convincing, the cajoling, the, whatever I got to do, whatever Mark, demands right. you just worry about getting the best talent we can to win a freaking super bowl okay 
So, so I'll be that. I like that. I now some people wouldn't like that. It depends on the individual. So whether Ed Dodds or Champ Kelly would be open to that is the big question, yep. Mo. And I didn't mm -hmm. think about it before you put it that way. So thank you for that. But I do think that both of those guys, I advocated for Champ Kelly to get the job in, internally. I don't do that very often, but I did because I just think that I think he's ready. I really do think he's ready. But I also like Ed Dodds, and Ed Dodds has a great reputation. I have a good friend who used to coach football at UNLV who worked with him down at University of Texas at Kingsville. So I got the whole background on him. And uh, it seems like an exciting guy, somebody who would bring, I think, a lot of professionalism, a lot of experience, a lot of success to that front office. I had one comment that said, well, neither Ed Dodds or Champ Kelly have any experience. And I'm like... <laughs> No one hire born, Antonio Pierce, <laughs> right? But but no one's no one's born with experience. We're all no. We're all at some point. We we all work hard to get an opportunity, right? Right. So I just said no one is is born with with experience, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I remember being in the job market right out of college, and all of these jobs were like, you need experience, you need experience. So I'm like, well, somebody has to give the experience. Everyone's looking for experience, right. but at some point, some Somebody has to give the experience for people to get it. Is yes. what is my point is. So with Ed Dodds and Champ Kelly, as you said, I think I think they're both ready to be GMs. Mm -hmm. They've been part of of organizations. They Champ Kelly. Now people can say what they want about the draft class, but at the end of the year, after the Raiders moved on from Josh McDaniels, you start to see flashes from this year's draft, last year's draft class. Yes, you start to see guys start to blossom a bit. So. I think with Champ Kelly and Ed Dodds, of course, I'm sure they both want to be GMs. But I think if you put them both together and, and if you're worried about their inexperience, I think together as football minds, they can get the job done. It, it, I would say they, can, they can't be any worse Mark, than Mark Davis. Mark Davis is not a bright football mind. Business-wise, yes. Got the Raiders to Vegas. He's making – he's printing money. Fine. But when it comes to <laughs> the on-the-field product, I like you, I think that – you need a football mind in there for president of football operations, football, who's scouted players and understands traits, skill sets and stuff like that. Ed Dodds and, and Champ Kelly can fill that role. No doubt about it. And Ed Dodds is a lifelong football guy. I mean, he, from from the time he was in high school, all the way he's worked in small college, he's all that stuff. So he is what we used to call in basketball, Moa, gym rat, right? He's he just yeah. lives, breathes, everything is football. So I don't think they can make a bad choice, honestly, uh, with this GM uh, situation. I think I think that they can, if if it's one of those two guys. If they go outside of that, I don't know. I don't know the other candidates as well. But to me, this is the most important hire. I know the coaching thing is a big deal, and people are all uh, in uproar over that. But really, you're forgetting about the GM. The GM, with the way the Raiders have wasted drafts for the last mm -hmm. eight years, you can't. That's why they. That's why they haven't made the playoffs. That's why they, they come up short is because they haven't been able to develop talent. And in today's NFL, most valuable thing is rookie contracts. Players who contribute on rookie contracts. You got to have it. Okay. And you, this year, you got to go get a quarterback. It's a. It, to your point about this year being so pivotal, 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 pivotal. <laughs> Mo, is you got to go get that quarterback. You and I don't know that they they I don't know that they can get in the top 3 in the draft. So if they can't get in the top 3 in the draft, then what? You need some smart people there to make the right choices to set this team up for success. Right. And and that's what I said on Sunday. I was like we're all bickering and arguing about this head coaching decision. Mm. The Raiders drafts have been underwhelming for the most part. They have to nail the general manager position because that's going to be the guy Yes. That's going to be crafting their their rookie classes going forward. And one of the things the Raiders have, as I said, struggled with is is getting an impact rookie class in to make to make contributions right away. Yeah. So I think this general manager position is just as important, if not more important, than the head coaching position because you can hire a good head coach, but if your general manager is is bringing in players who aren't ready to contribute or are going to be bust, does it matter? And then you know what's going to happen? People. Are we're going to blame the general manager, not to say, oh, well, we, our draft stink, you know. But uh, yeah. like, like I said, I, I think Ed and we both agree on this. I think both Ed Dodds and Champ Kelly are bright football minds. I would just hope that they're both somehow involved. I know, again, I know that's probably wishful thinking because Champ Kelly has gone on some interviews. But again, I don't think it's a far fetched idea simply because if he does not get the job somewhere, if he doesn't get a general manager job elsewhere, 
I, I think he would be open to coming back and, and being part of the Raiders organization front office if Ed Dobbs, of course, is okay with it. Yes, yes. And I think that's the point, too. It's it's really interesting because we will be in a time where if the Raiders don't succeed, if, if, you, if you love Antonio Pierce and the Raiders don't succeed, it will be someone else's fault. If Antonio Pierce succeeds and the Raiders fail to get a quarterback, it's going to be the GM's fault. Like there's going to be all the, this blaming kind of stuff. And really, at the end of the day, it's an organizational piece, which is general manager, head coach, everybody works together. And so if it fails, it's everybody. It's And just like when they succeed, it's everybody too. Yes, you got to give Antonio Pierce his flowers for the job he did going five and four, no question. But I'm sitting there going, whoa, there's a guy, he, he kind of... What's his name? Patrick. Oh, yeah. Patrick Graham. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> runs the defense. <laughs> what about him? Nobody's asking for Patrick uh, Graham to be the head coach. Maybe that should have been something to talk about. Now, I know he doesn't have the personality of Antonio Pierce and all that kind of stuff, but Patrick Graham did an amazing job as well. So you have to give credit. And that's the thing as a leader. And I'll end this segment on this one, Mo. As a leader, I don't care if you lead a factory that produces widgets or you lead a restaurant or you lead a business that's an insurance agency. Leadership means you own everything. It means that when it succeeds, great, you put your people out front and and you put the you put the uh, you put the microscope on them and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm here to get everybody together and and sure, thank you, but you know what? It's this person, that person, that's how we succeed." When you fail, you say, "It's me." I take responsibility. So I don't care if you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach. If the offense fails, doesn't matter. You can't absolve yourself of it because you're you're a defensive guy or because you didn't coach the offense. It's not how it works. So success is a group effort, but leaders, the people who are put into leadership positions, like a head coach, like a GM, they have to own the outcomes no matter where the breakdown happens. So you got to remember that. Uh, in the NFL. And that's why sometimes NFL coaches get fired because they didn't make moves on their staff, right? They didn't get their offense fixed and their offensive guy didn't work out. And because they have a relationship, maybe they give them a year too long and then guess what happens? They get fired, <laughs> right? So those are all things to consider when you're looking at success in the NFL. All right, we're going to step aside when we come back. We will close out the show. We'll just get into a hodgepodge of stuff. We'll talk a little more about lying season two, just so you guys don't get too upset about stuff. Uh, but we are Silver and Black today. We are an Odyssey original podcast, and we are going to be back right after these words. Take care. Welcome back, home stretch here on this edition of Silver and Black today. Do us a favor if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, even if you're watching us on video, because you guys are hardcore YouTube watchers. Just go subscribe to the audio version too. Even if you don't listen to it, you can always delete it later off your phone, but it helps us. Trust us. Helps us. We appreciate that very much. If you would uh, subscribe wherever you get your audio. Also, if you're with us on YouTube, thanks for being with us. And again, Mo, people are, I know people don't understand how busy you've been, but they're mad that you don't get in there and, and mix it up in the chat, man. They're like, they think you're like an AI host. Like they don't, they, they're like, I'll get it. I I'll say this. I'll get in the chat if people are willing to pay the salary that I would have been paid for missing my work. If you're willing yeah. to pay my salary instead of yeah, GoFundMe, I'll, I'll I'll definitely hop in the chat. I, I don't think they will. But the good news, folks, is, and for those of you listening, for those of you watching, we will do some more live shows this off season. So hopefully, um, maybe this week, maybe next week, we'll see. We'll see how the schedules work out. But we will be doing a little more live stuff where we, as I said, we'll have it interactive. The chat will be up on the screen. We'll be able to chat with you guys, answer your questions directly, just kind of hang out with you, right? We'll do the hangout. Yeah. Hang out. Mo will have his avocado smoothie, and we'll we'll just roll. By the way, Scott, how many times I tell you almost every other day how much i enjoy the live show oh yeah do. because then i get to actually in real time talk to the people who you know who watch our show yeah. support what we're doing I, I i always enjoy the live show i do too and 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 we do when we do the live post game it's hard because we're getting through a post game show so i don't have the time to go in and do it but that's why we want to devote doing some more live video stuff and i don't know how much it'll how much it'll work for the audio feed of the podcast you know it might be kind of tedious for people to sit there and listen as we're reading stuff but we'll put it on audio too and we'll, we'll, we'll let you guys give us feedback on whether you like it on audio as well because we'll always reread questions and stuff like that so we can do that as well um, we also during those lives might even take some calls 
Like we might even take a couple people calling in and actually joining us by audio. It'd be kind of interesting. It'd be kind of fun. I like to mix it up. We're of the people. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so I wanted to just close out the show again. I want to reiterate just a couple little things from the beginning of the show when we were doing a little soapbox stuff, which is um, just remember everything you read isn't necessarily going to happen and it's not necessarily true. Again, this is lying season. This is when there's jockeying things going on, not only for jobs, for next contracts, all this stuff. So, Mo, I know fans, because when, when your team's not in the playoffs, you start thinking about next year. So, of course, you want things to happen so you have – something to feel good about number one and some and number two is you just want to know where things are going the reality is i think we'll find out about the gm this week the coach maybe next week maybe right you get past the conference uh playoffs and you can actually start doing in-person interviews right now they can only do virtual with with coaches that are in the league so that includes people who could be offensive coordinators all that kind of stuff they it has to wait for in person until after the 21st if that's the case, then I would anticipate the Raiders coaching situation, especially if it's not Antonio Pierce. But don't read into the tea leaves too much because you just don't know. Things can be can be misleading. Uh, is It'll take a week or two for a coach, especially if they hire the GM. They're going to want the GM involved in that process. So that being said, Mo, um, it's hard to say this to people because I know how much they love their team, but you kind of just have to have a level of patience. Yes, but I, you know what I'm going to do? And I, maybe this is, okay, I'll say this. I think the media, <laughs> I think the media drop a ball a bit on the way they are reporting these head coaching interviews because mm. there are a lot of fans out there who are confused about the, about, you know, the timelines for hiring coaches. And it's not their fault. Right. It's not the fans' fault that they're confused. And I think, I think it's because the media hasn't done a good job of explaining some of these things. So when you hear Antonio Pierce goes on an interview with the Tennessee Titans, there are fans that said, oh, the Titans are going to hire Antonio Pierce on the spot and the Raiders are going to miss out on Antonio Pierce and it's going to be all their fault. And it's, and it's like, chill. Okay, first of all, take a deep <laughs> breath because number one, teams cannot hire external candidates yet. They cannot no. hire they cannot hire external candidates until after the divisional round. So the Titans, the Falcons, who showed interest in Antonio Pierce, they cannot hire Antonio Pierce yet. Even though they're not in the playoffs, to even the playing field, hires for head, for the head coaching position can't be made until after the divisional round. The Patriots were able to do it because there's a clause that says you can have a succession plan in Correct. place if the person is already within the organization. The Raiders didn't do that for Antonio Pierce because they had no idea that they were going to fire Josh McDaniels going into the year. So, of course, there was no succession plan in place for Antonio Pierce to take over the job. That's number one. Number two, when these reporters say that Antonio Pierce, his interview for the job with the Titans or the Falcons, they should make it clear that it's a virtual interview. Yes. So, again, yes. virtual interviews can happen before the divisional round. In-person interviews cannot happen until after the divisional round unless – the person is already within the organization. So the Chargers or, already interviewed. Go ahead. Or outside the NFL. Or outside the NFL. So college coaches. So right. the Chargers have already interviewed Giff Smith, who was the interim for their team after they let go of Brandon Staley. He was already with the Chargers. That's why they can have an in-person interview with him. But when it comes to external candidates, external candidates that, NF that are NFL employed, mm -hmm. teams cannot hire a guy on the spot. So for everyone right. who's worried about Antonio Pierce being hired on the spot by the Falcons and Titans can happen. So take a deep <laughs> breath on that. There was talk about, Oh, why have the Raiders? This is before the Leslie Frazier request interview came out. Why haven't the Raiders interviewed any head coaching candidates? This is odd. This is weird. And I think a lot of fans understood this part that the Raiders are trying to get their GM in place first. Mm -hmm. So they wrapped up their GM interviews. And as you, you said that GM is going to sit in on a lot of those head coaching interviews. They wanted their GM to be involved. I think Mark Davis said that to Sean Reed of the Athletic. Yep. So, number one, I want to say it's not the fans' fault that they're confused about a lot of this. Because Agreed. I think the media has done a poor job of explaining certain things to the public. Number one, that virtual interviews are happening now, not in-person interviews for external candidates. And number two, the timeline of things happening. I know Albert Breer kind of laid it out, but I think as – as a media conglomerate or as a media outlet, 
you should just kind of reiterate the process of how things go and be clear about what type of interview is this? Is this an in-person interview? Is it a virtual interview? Can this happen? Can that happen? I'm sure some reporters have done it, but from a lot of the posts that I saw on X, it's very vague. It's just, oh, yes. this person is set to meet with this team. And I yes. think, again, it should have been made clear that, again, when Pierce interviewed with the Titans, it was a virtual interview, not an in-person interview, and the Titans cannot hire Antonio Pierce just yet. Correct. And a shout out to Vinny at the RJ because he has yes. been explaining that to people individually as people million. ask him questions. 50 million times. 50 million times. But to your point, and I know we ha we have a, a viewer on on YouTube who who likes to insult anybody who writes uh, in sports of the living saying we're just all glorified bloggers. Um, but but in this case, this is why the media loses trust too. not not only in sports, but in other areas, because it's inside baseball. They understand how it works. Right. But our job is not to do that. Our job is to explain to the people reading, listening, whatever, or watching how things work most. So that was a great, a great aside there for you to do that. And I think that's where people need to realize you're not going to get somebody hired under uh, from underneath you when it can't happen. Right. And by the way, if Antonio Pierce gets a better opportunity somewhere, you don't think he'll take it. I don't care how much you say oh, he's a Raider. He's a Raider. If Tennessee offered him $8 million a year and the Raiders are from two, I'm just saying you got to do what's best for you and your family, right? You're going to do what's best for you. So I, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. I just don't. Um, I think he'll end up being the Raiders coach as, as we've talked about here on this. Now we do know Jim Harbaugh met on Monday and he can meet in person because he's a college coach with the chargers. And you talked earlier about, wow, a division, um, would be with him there and with Reed and with Sean Payton. And as you mentioned, Antonio Pierce has beat two of them already. Um, mm -hmm. But it certainly would ramp up that situation uh, in the division. Now, the Broncos, too, I always look at it this way, Mo, and I said this right towards the end of the season as we were talking about the Raiders' draft position. Broncos need a quarterback. Uh, so you're going to have – there's a little bit of an arms race in the division for quarterback because you're going to have to compete with the Broncos. Who's going to get their, their franchise quarterback first? Now, the Broncos have failed at it numerous times over the past several years. It's been one of their biggest issues. The Raiders have not figured it out either. And it's going to be interesting because we, you and I talked about, well, you don't have to pick a quarterback in the top five of the draft to find your franchise quarterback. True, because – at the top of the draft, you know, who's going to make it? We don't know how good Drake Mabe is going to be. We don't know how good Jaden Daniels is going to be. Caleb Williams, I think people are a little more, I mean, at least talent, talent evaluators feel like he's a can't-miss guy, but they can't really say that. So you look at that situation and knowing what's happening in the division and then knowing six or seven other teams need quarterbacks, um, the Raiders are going to have to explore several options, right? They're going to have to explore the draft. they got to get a young quarterback. But I think they also got to go get a veteran to help them and to have that fail safe. Yes, they have Aiden O'Connell. So they got one guy in camp basically in that room because Jimmy Garoppolo will be gone. So you have that guy out there. And if you start to look at it, Mo, now that the most of the season is over, um, from a veteran quarterback standpoint, anybody pop in your head outside of Justin Fields, which we've talked about here and seems to be polarizing amongst Raider Nation, and we don't know if he's going to leave the Bears. But if, if you if you look at that situation from a veteran standpoint, who should the Raiders maybe start to think about when the GM gets hired? You do a curveball at me there. I mean, mm -hmm. Jacoby Brissett, maybe. I mean, because you wouldn't if he doesn't have retire. To if if he he wouldn't have you the Raiders wouldn't have to give up draft capital for him he's going to be a free agent the Washington Commanders are going to basically you know re flip over that roster yeah. so i would assume that he's going to you know he's going to have some offers out there but i, I would say Jacoby Brissett is the first one that comes to mind but i also depends on who who the Raiders have as an OC because i i'm a strong yeah. believer that you have Aiden O'Connell you draft the rookie and then you get a veteran who's familiar with that offensive coordinator system. Mm -hmm. So basically, I'm telling you, I can't really answer that question yet. Whoever the offensive coordinator is, find a quarterback that's played under that offensive coordinator. Now, if it's a first-time, full-time offensive coordinator who's you know never coached through a full season, maybe he was a quarterback's coach and he worked with a veteran before. Maybe he was a passing game coordinator and he's worked with a quarterback before. Get someone who's familiar with the system so that just in case Kyle doesn't pick up the system as fast, that veteran quarterback can play right away. And he can also teach Aiden and the rookie that system. 
whatever that system is that's going to be in place. So I think the veteran is there again to mentor. And I think that's what Brian Hoyer's role is. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily you're going to play that that guy, which is yeah. what Joshua Daniels did with Brian Hoyer. But I think you get a veteran who can immediately teach the other guys in the room how to function in that system. And if need be, if necessary, for whatever reason, he can also play. And I think that's where you you would get a Jacoby Brissett who can play versus a Brian Hoyer who's closer to retirement. Right. And I think, too, honestly, because we talked about it with quarterbacks at the top of the draft, with anybody in the draft, right? If you have good people to select draft picks, okay, you're going you're gonna to hit on some. You're always going to have some that you miss on. You just It's going to happen, right? Now, the Raiders have missed more than they've hit by a large margin. Mm -hmm. That can't happen anymore. But I'm really, I'm in the place, Mo, where I think the Raiders, and I, again, I don't know that the number one pick is in play. The Bears, you know, you're hearing the stories back again. It's lying season. You're hearing the stories. Oh, no, they're sticking with Fields. No, no, they're going to trade the pick. No, 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 they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna keep the pick and trade Fields. Like, you don't know what the truth is yet because there's still time. It's not till April, right? We got some time here. But if the Raiders, I, I think if the Raiders could get there, I would do whatever it takes at this point because I don't think, for all of you who believe the Raiders aren't that far away, I would agree. Look, look how they won eight games this year in the condition they were in with no offense. So to me, you make a move now because guess what? It's not like you won three games and you're two or three years away. If you go get the right quarterback, and, and again, I know, I know it's an extreme example, but I'm going to use it anyway. You look at what happened in Houston. You get the right coach in there with the right quarterback right mentality and it turns around quickly now you could say the raiders don't need a turnaround they just need fixing in some areas so you want eight games this year it's not to me it's feasible to think if you have really good quarterback play you have some spots you improve in both sides of the defensive and offensive line supplement a couple of players get some good players in the draft on defense too especially a cornerback safe wherever linebacker you could win 11 games next year if you have the right guy and so I think you got to do everything you can to get and, and you know what? If it means three number one picks the next three years, do it. Scott, my, and I'll take it one step further because you led me into the point I was going to make. I watched mm. the playoffs over the past weekend. Did you notice who was looking good in the playoffs? <laughs> CJ Stroud, yeah. Jordan Love. I, I, the, I, having playoff experience is so overrated because the, the Browns were the more experienced team. Guess what? Houston rolled them. Right. Uh, the, the 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 Dallas Cowboys with a more experienced playoff team. Guess what? Green Bay Packers rolled them. Yes. The Detroit Lions. Now the the Rams have a bit of a rebuild, but the Detroit Lions have a bunch of impact rookies: Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, yes. Laporta, and my, my Montgomery, guy, the veteran. Yeah. I mean, so, so my my guy uh, Ray GQ over at Bleacher Report said a lot of people crapped on the Lions draft class because they drafted a running back early and they got a linebacker in the first round. And Laporta was was probably made to some people not the better of the tight ends when they picked. <laughs> Guess what? All of those guys contributed to their season and that playoff win. So you got to trust your process. But my general point here is get your quarterback. I know yeah. a lot of people people have gone back and forth with us about, oh, you need to build the offensive line. What about this position? No. Get your quarterback. The Houston Texans were a dumpster fire last year. What is the difference this year and why are they in the division around the playoffs? Right. They got their quarterback and they got their head coach. The Green Bay Packers didn't make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They won eight games, had a playing game against the Lions, and lost. Found a younger gunslinging quarterback in joint love. Now they're going to the division round. Mm -hmm. I understand the importance of the offensive line. I understand the importance of a strong defense. I understand the importance of... of of a good running back, another wide receiver, maybe, you know, whatever the case is. But the quarterback is the most important position on the football team, and it can immediately turn or turn you around and get you two to three more wins. As you said, with the disaster that was the Raiders midseason, yep. they still went eight and nine, won eight games. You don't think a good quarterback, a competent, serviceable quarterback can get the Raiders two to three more wins and get them to 10 and seven, 11 and six? Come on. It's common sense at this point. Just look around the league. Just look around the league at the teams that have turned around their teams. What is the difference? They nail the quarterback position and they Yeah, and 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 the only exception I'll say, and, and he's done okay, was what we've seen with Miami, where Tua is not hasn't convinced anybody. I'll put it that way. He had such a great start to the year, didn't sustain it, and then has not been able to do it, obviously, in the playoffs. But 
he's played well enough for them to win to get to the playoffs. And now they got a tough choice to make. Okay, is this the guy who's just like you see in Dallas with Dak Prescott, right? Dak Prescott puts up ungodly numbers and it gets in the playoffs. It's like Clayton Kershaw in baseball with the Dodgers. Amazing pitcher. And then he gets in the playoffs. Something mentally happens and they just don't, he doesn't overcome it. So, so that, uh, you and I are in agreement on this. Not everybody agrees with us, but you have to do it. And I think this year with this class from, from a quarterback standpoint, it's time to do it now. The Raiders, they can, they can package those picks. They can do what they need to do to go get that quarterback and change the game. Because in the division, if you allow the Broncos to do it before you and you don't take care of it, and they're in the same position next year or in this offseason where they're looking for a guy and they don't, I'm not sure who the veteran is. And, and then Jacoby Brissett comes in, not because you have a young guy and he's just going to be the starter for a bit, but because you don't have anybody else, you're going to be in big trouble, especially if the Broncos go out and get somebody. And you know Sean Payton's going to want to go out and get somebody. So that to me, it's so vital going into that. So we'll, we'll start talking about the quarterback situation. We'll get some interviews here on Silver and Black today to talk about guys that the Raiders could target, both from a veteran standpoint and from the draft. So that'll be great. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this edition of Silver and Black today. We appreciate you guys being with us. Mo, I know uh, we start going into sort of our off-season mode. You and I still covering the playoffs. Uh, let everybody know what you got coming up this week so they can keep track of your work. Thursday, I'll have a Bleach Report live show stream. Either... Regardless, depending on what happens, if the Raiders make some splashy hires, which I think they will early this week, I'll talk about that. Or we'll talk about some trade ideas that the Raiders could make, either moving up for a quarterback, as we just talked about, or acquiring players from other teams, maybe at on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. A lot of people um, talked about Devontae Adams being a trade chip. I'll talk about that again because a lot of people are still bringing up Oh, why don't we just trade, throw Devontae Adams into a trade deal to move up for a quarterback? I'll discuss that because it's that's going to be another hot topic after the Raiders hire their general manager and head coach. Yes, it will be. And it will be uh, yet another point of um, discussion amongst Raider Nation. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens with that. And and of course, they'll definitely the Raiders, the Raiders have 15 people on the roster who will be free agents this coming year, right? So we'll see who hits the free agent market. Anybody, I know a lot of people are waiting on Josh Jacobs. Even with even with Antonio Pierce's coach, I, I just don't see Josh Jacobs coming back. I just don't see it. I know he loves Pierce, and Jacobs said if Pierce isn't there, then then I might not come back. I don't think it's his choice, frankly. And and you know what? I hope he goes out and gets as much money as he can somewhere else. That's great, but I think the Raiders need to, to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their team, and so I don't see that happen. But we'll get into that conversation as we move along, too. It'll be interesting because if the market isn't what Josh Jacobs thinks it is, yeah, he may be willing to take a discount to stay in Las Vegas. If Because remember, last, last offseason, the market isn't what a lot of people thought it would be at the running back position. So Josh yeah. Jacobs goes to the market and he sees that he's only going to get six or seven million. He may say, well, maybe I'll just stay in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. If, if he stays at the right price, great. Um, but again, running backs, man, after that fifth year, just it's, it's remarkable. Like the, you look at the numbers, you're like, wow, it really falls off, but maybe he's different. You never know. All right. That's going to do it for the show. Make sure you check out Mo's work up on Bleach Report and, and check into his live on Thursday there, as well as his column later in the week on sportsnot.com. You can also catch my coverage of the Raiders and the NFL up on sportsnot.com too. And do us a favor, make sure you subscribe. I'm starting to do some more TikTok videos. I'll, I'm going to start teaching Mo a little bit too. I'm older than Mo, but I, I, I'm using it. He does. You're not there yet, but I'm going to coach him. I'm going to coach him up. So go subscribe to us on TikTok and on YouTube, and you'll see some short videos there too. We'll get Mo to get involved in those. Once, once I teach him, once I just say, hey, record yourself, send it to me, I'll take care of it, then we'll get it done. Right, Mo? I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of snap face or whatever you want to call it. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. Thank you guys all for being with us, and we will talk to you next time. Take care.